Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome back to The Best Damn Camp, a Riordanverse read-along podcast that sits out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we continue our timeline journey as we carry on with the next chapters of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Chapter 3, Grover unexpectedly loses his pants. And chapter 4, my mother teaches me bullfighting. As always, I have my points to focus on. So today we've got the relationships, writing style, and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here is the synopsis. Queen Sally arrives with blue food and love before Land of the Furries descends with bad news and a road race against the Diaper Boy of Death. Oh. Ow. Sorry, that... Too soon. Too soon. Alright, so yes, this is going to be an emotional one, shall we say, in terms of chapters, because both chapter 3 and chapter 4 are pretty intense in their own ways and and as usual what I will be doing like I did last week is going through each chapter individually focusing focusing on certain parts and then kind of doing an overall summary and discussion of both chapters um before I begin though I do want to say I know I said last week it was possible I would have a guest um but that guest is in fact at work today um, because the guest was going to be my mother. Um, the reason why I was going to bring her on was just to kind of get the sort of mother's perspective of um, of Sally and like Sally's relationship with Percy. And it was going to be really, really cool. But then I forgot that she has a job and, <laughs> and not the time to do things like this. Um, admittedly, I don't really have much of the time to do this either, but I do it because I love it. But she's not as invested. Uh, she's happy for me, of course, because she's an amazing mother. Sally Jackson wishes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so she was going to be my guest, but she is unfortunately working today on the day that I am recording. Um, we would have had more time, but I was actually at VidCon London um, on the Saturday, so the, the 22nd, um, and I actually had an absolute blast of a time. It was such a fantastic experience. Um, learned loads of new things as to how to improve like my YouTube channel and also how to improve with this podcast as well. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I also met up with a friend beforehand who uh, is in fact the musician for the theme music here. So Taylor Paisley French, shout out to Taylor, who you guys, you know, should go support his music because his music is incredible. That's all linked below. Uh, well, below as in 
the episode notes. You know what I mean. I don't know why I'm why I'm explaining. You guys know what's up. Um, but you know, VidCon was absolutely fantastic. Um, I met Hacker the Dog. For any British listeners out there, you'll you'll know who I mean. Which, oh my god, I didn't think I was going to meet Hacker the Dog. Um, but it was brilliant. He gave me a shout out um, for my YouTube channel, and yeah, just generally, it was it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun, and um, I'm back. I'm I'm exhausted whilst um, recording this this episode, um, and of course, unfortunately, my mother is not joining us. She may do in future if I manage to convince her to do it. Um, but yeah, so just a little explanation as to why I do not have a guest today. Um, but moving on from my, my, my life, because I know that's not what you guys are here for. You guys are here for the Greeks and you know, who can blame you? (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm just going to move on. Right. Okay. So of course, because three becomes before four becomes before four come. I don't three comes before four. That's a complicated sentence. Whew. Okay. Obviously, I will be starting with chapter three. Grover unexpectedly loses his pants. And this is the overview for chapter three. Percy leaves Grover because Grover is a panicky mess, which, you know, fair. Uh, This boy loves his mother to death. Like, and I just, I love him for it. I should not have made that death comment. You'll see why. Uh, then we have Gabe Ugliano, and I'm going to call him that because I think it's probably pronounced like Ugliano or something like that, but no, he is Ugly Arno. And considering that Percy calls him Smelly Gabe, I think I'm justified in calling him Gabe Ugliano. Um, but he's the biggest bugger in the world. Like, seriously, just wow. Uh, then we have our Queen Sally's arrival, the fictional mother we should all love and adore. A sweet candy store worker, should have married a millionaire, and literally the greatest human being. Oh, and Gabe is actually an abusive partner. What? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, blue food is everything, and spiting Gabe, I approve absentee father discussions which get intense emotional and very sad and goddamn what on earth has been going on with percy killing snakes as a pre-k what is pre-k oh kinder no before kinder i don't know evil stalkers like no wonder sally is on edge all the time a strange vision of a fighting horse and eel with a silent voice egging them on and the horror of the reveal that Grover has fairy legs and the devastation and fear on Sally's face. What could be happening? And what's following Grover? And that is how our chapter ends. And that is just the overview over the the overview of chapter three. And my god, so much happens in chapter three. Um the main thing that I kinda of want to focus on in this chapter particularly is the relationships that are in it, like I mentioned before. Like, oh, there are so many, like, huge things that happen in this chapter, like the reveal of Grover having animal legs, um, and just various other different things that are kind of like big reveals. 
But the biggest thing that I got from this chapter is the relationship discussions and the relationship sort of studies in a way. Um, so we've got three different relationships that are brought up in this chapter. Percy and Sally's relationship, Sally and Gabe's relationship, and Sally and Percy's dad's relationship. The one that I really kind of want to have precedent over is obviously Sally and Percy. But the biggest one for me that was like the biggest shock is Sally and Gabe's relationship. But I'll get to that in a moment because obviously this chapter is more about Percy and Sally. And what I really like and what I think Rick does really well with their relationship is just showing how much they care and know about each other. Like Sally knows instantly that Percy's keeping something from her because he he hasn't told her about Mrs. Dodds and um, the three fruit ladies or anything like that because he's worried about her, worried about telling her and also worried that she'd think he's he's being stupid. Which like, you you adore your mother. Clearly she wouldn't think you're stupid but it's kind of more that he thinks he's being stupid still because he still kind of doesn't believe what's been happening and is still in that stage of disbelieving his own mind. So he doesn't tell her because he's worried about making her more worried and concerned. But straight away she knows that he hasn't told her something. And I think that just kind of shows their relationship that she knows that there is something going on. And when they go to... Is it Montauk? Is that how it's pronounced? Montauk? Hopefully. I'm assuming it probably is. When they go to Montauk, she says when they get there, he can tell her what he's forgotten to tell her. And I, I really quite like that, that she is so kind of honed in on, on him and understands him so well that she knows when he's keeping something and knows in a way how to kind of find out in a, in a kind way and also not making him feel guilty or bad for keeping something from her, which, you know, just shows that she is she's such a lovely mother. Um, And he also knows a lot about her as well like when he's probing her about his father and about this camp that she mentions his father wanted him to go to and things like this and just kind of various different things that are clearly quite upsetting for her he stops questioning and like goading and all that sort of stuff the moment he can sense she's getting far too upset because he doesn't want to make her upset so he stops he he stops questioning her the moment he realises that. And he does it on various different occasions as well. So there was that moment in Montauk about asking about his father. Uh, there's him obviously not wanting to tell her about the Mrs. Dodds and the Fruit Ladies situation because he's worried about upsetting her. And it just shows that while obviously in some cases, like with Percy not telling her about the monster element, that um, them knowing a lot about each other kind of doesn't help in that sense. He still kind of knows they basically just they still know each other it doesn't always work in their favor like with Percy but it just shows that they really care about each other and I, I really do like that uh the <laughs> the one thing that I got from this that I think isn't the most positive in terms of their relationship is so Sally obviously she adores Percy she loves him she when the moment she saw him and was asking him about school how he's been like the last six months and all these sort of things he mentions that she doesn't seem to care that he was kicked out of school. She she's just she just wants to make sure that he's okay, that everything's all right. And, you know, 100% valid, 100% okay, it's really sweet, but she probably should reprimand him in some way. Because, like he says, this is his sixth... Six, 
sixth, yeah, sixth school in six years. I had to say that so slowly because I knew I was going to struggle if I said it too fast. Um, yeah, it's his sixth school and from the sounds of it, like he mentions that she's never raised her voice at him or even at Gabe who was like awful. And it just makes me think that maybe she should because he clearly has some serious discipline and anger issues and her kind of not responding and her kind of not really doing anything about it isn't really gonna help him later on like I was I wasn't like bad in school but like I would do a lot of things mainly from an anxiety point of view where I would occasionally pretend to be ill because there was something that was happening that was making me really anxious like when I was getting bullied at school I used to pretend that I had an upset stomach or or something like that just so I wouldn't have to go in and my mum knew and for a little while she kind of like gave in to it she was like okay you're not feeling great we won't let you go in but after a while she was like no I know why she's doing this she's doing this as an avoidance so she got me to go to school and alongside that she also got me into counselling which was brilliant worked out great for me it was able I was able to kind of deal with my anxieties. I've still got them. They're always going to be around because anxiety is just like that. But having that meant I was able to go to school when my education kind of didn't hit a... What, what's the phrase? Hit a slump? slump? I don't know. That's not the right word. I know what I mean, but I don't know how to say it. But it meant my education wasn't going to be like stunted because I wasn't going to school because of anxiety that was the word that I wanted (laughs) why couldn't I think of it before oh my god um but yeah that's just one thing that I have is is kind of like the only thing I have against Sally at the moment in that she doesn't really discipline that well or or at all um obviously in terms of like discipline there's very different definitions and people would see it as a negative to discipline children or something but um, it's just giving rules really and like him being kicked out of school is a bad thing him fighting with kids is a bad thing but she's not saying anything against it I focus so much on that one negative thing even though it's not too big of a deal for me but it's something that I think could have been improved with her character um but just as a whole I just their relationship really means a lot and this is actually I think the first positive parent relationship that I've seen in a book. Firstly, his mother is alive and in his life. Not a very common thing with heroes, like, you know, Harry Potter, for example. Both of his parents are dead. It's not a spoiler, so I'm going to say it. Both of his parents are dead. He's living with an abusive family. So he hates this abusive family and idolises his parents, even though, in the case of his father, turns out, James Potter, bit of an ass. But in the case of Percy... This is, in terms of, like, child fantasy and just general fantasy novels, I think this is the first parent-child relationship that I've seen that is actually a positive child-parent relationship. Even in, like, like teen romance or just basically any book <laughs> and any film that I've seen that has a parent-and-child relationship, more often than not, it's a negative one either from the start or in like in terms of romance like uh the notebook for example i can't remember the girl's name her mother keeps them apart steals the letters i don't know why i gave the notebook as an example that was a really weird example 
but like the parent became the obstacle the parent became like the enemy but in this case Percy and Sally's relationship is one of like harmony they both love each other they both care about each other and it is a positive relationship and to go from this positive lovely heartwarming relationship to literally the darkest thing of this chapter holy gods oh my gods just in general (sighs) the sally and gabe relationship now i have to full-on commend rick for this because he did not hold back with this abusive relationship and i'm straight up going to call it that this is an abusive relationship but it is an abusive relationship in a way that not many people recognize or realize and that is a an emotionally abusive relationship as well as one of small manipulations and this is a thing that like i i always knew that this relationship between sally and gabe was abusive especially with something that comes up near the end of the book i won't bring it up now because at this current point we don't really need that knowledge but going through this chapter as closely as i have been and kind of making notes along the way and kind of underlining things there was one part that really stuck out well two parts really one relating to percy and one relating to sally but sally is involved in both of them one unconsciously one literally and the one that i really want to focus on is when sally discusses with gabe her and percy's trips to montauk he responds with because apparently they haven't been able to go the last two years because apparently they don't have the money for it and then gabe responds with yes it's fine this will come out of your clothing budget and it's that there that rang alarm bells for me now this is a thing that does occur in abusive relationships now i guess i'll put like a, a sort of trigger warning here in relation to talks about abusive relationships now this is one that not many people kind of realize is a part of abusive relationships and it comes under manipulation and mental and usually emotional abuse as well and that is the controlling of finances in this case from what it sounds like and i assume it to be the intention of rick to do this whether it was or not is to be debated but that's how i interpret this the fact that the only way that sally and percy are able to go on this trip is by gabe taking away money from what is described as sally's clothing budget for her to go on this trip is something called controlling of finances making her basically fully financially dependent on him even though she works from the sounds of it full-time in this um sweet on america candy shop she doesn't have access to her finances which means she is fully relying on gabe giving her an air quotes allowance to do things for herself and her son he is taking the money from her clothing budget which just just that alone that she has a designated clothing budget so say for example and this is a very common thing she needs new bras 
because as most women will know a couple of months or a year a bra will fade and it can be not dangerous but it can be incredibly painful and you know not particularly comfortable and basically you lose all the support you get back pain and all these sort of things that would mean she would have to go to Gabe and say would you be able to allow me to use some of my clothing allowance to purchase new bras and the decision as to whether or not she would be allowed money to purchase clothing would be up to him if he deemed her need for new bras for example unnecessary she would not be able to purchase new clothing because he has not deigned what she's asking for necessary and that is where and the abuse comes in because she is completely restricted she has no freedom she has nothing without Gabe and that is just 100% terrifying but it is a subtle terrifying because it's in that one line another line where this occurs is where Gabe is talking to Percy and this is near the start of the chapter where Gabe tells Percy that any money he has on him has to go to him for his poker game because he needs his money to the point that he knows exactly how much Percy must have in his pocket because he would have used a 20 to get the taxi to the apartment which means he would have seven or eight dollars left in change which means that now belongs to Gabe and the thing that's most frightening about that is Gabe calls it his and Percy's little guy secret that Percy is basically financing his poker habits and it's something that Percy can never tell Sally to the point that Percy's wordings is if he had ever told Sally Gabe would hit him and the fact that he hasn't told his mother that Sally clearly has no idea that this is happening that Percy is having to give money to Gabe whenever he comes home she doesn't know about this and the fact that she doesn't shows that Percy knows if he did ever tell her that Gabe would follow through with this threat which means this threat or this action has already been put into effect because why would you be afraid of something if you didn't know it wasn't going to happen because why would Gabe hit him if if his mum knew about it so it means that Percy probably is already being physically abused and he's also now under the control of Gabe's financial abuse also which just this whole thing is just horrifying and it's going to sound really weird for me to say this but it is an interesting horrifying we've seen discussions of abuse and I say we I have seen discussions of abuse and actual abuse explored in in books but I don't see that often in what is deemed as children's books like in Harry Potter for example we know that the Dursleys are dangerous as anything they are incredibly abusive to Harry but it's never explored to the extent that I always wish it had been not until the end at least like um when Dumbledore 
um, kind of basically confronts them in I think it's the sixth book, so so the Half Blood Prince. But it took six books for anyone to really do anything or say anything to the Dursleys, which is just horrific. But in this book, there is an awareness of this abuse. There is awareness that this is wrong. And I'm not going to spoil too much, but I believe it's dealt with in a slightly better way. Not 100% better because for those who do know, not always the way to deal with the thing that does happen, which I shan't bring up because I'm trying to make this not too spoiler filmed. But um, I just I, I prefer it in relation to that. Again, it does kind of get glossed over later in the series which is unfortunate but I kind of understand why it was in a sense because obviously bigger things slightly occurring but I just find it really interesting this sort of exploration of this abusive relationship and the fact that it's so different to abusive relationships that are normally explored in a series because it is financial emotional with physical abuse slightly hinted at on the side and yeah, sorry, that was a huge tangent going into abuse. And for anyone who wanted to, who, who didn't want to hear that, I apologise for going on so long about it. I'm moving on now to a slightly more positive relationship that also has its negatives, unfortunately. And that is Sally and Percy's dad's relationship. That's explored nearer the end of the book. Now, the beach in which Sally and Percy head to in Montauk as it turns out, is actually the beach where Sally met Percy's dad. And she tries to go there as often as she can. And as Percy describes, whenever they're heading there, it's like the years fall off Sally's shoulders. She she looks younger, more relaxed, happier. Her eyes are brighter. The dullness that's in them when they're in the city, when they're with Gabe, vanishes. And she's a much happier person. But she has this wistfulness about her whenever... They start talking about Percy's dad and the fact that they are there. She's she's wistful either way because she's remembering what it was like being being with him and the fact that she won't get to see him again because, as she says, he was lost at sea. Not dead, lost at sea. Which, considering what we know about Percy's father later on, I think it's an interesting sort of symbolism that comes across as to Percy's father. Um, I kind of don't want to go too much into it, as again, because of spoilers, but... Uh, you know what? No worries. I'm going to do it anyway. Because Percy's father is obviously connected to the sea, having this image and symbol of Sally always saying that Percy's father was lost at sea is kind of true in a... Sim in what's, what's the phrase? In a symbolic way because he is he is god of the sea he is forever lost at sea because he can never be with sally so yeah i just thought that was really interesting that there's this sort of symbolism in that phrase but what i also find really interesting this is something that i i think is kind of cool again in terms of like this idea of sort of like a divorced parent in a way is that she makes some excuses for percy's father in that she said he didn't want to be away from them, but he, he didn't have to choice, he had to go. 
But she never says a bad word about him, even though he left her before she'd even given birth, even though he did leave and that their relationship had to be a secret. She never says a bad word about him. And I just, I think that's really kind of, that just shows what a decent person Sally Jackson is and what happens to her later, even sadder. And what's really interesting though, even though she doesn't say a bad word about him, she still has her reservations in a sense, in a sense, in a sense about him in that while she did and does love him, she wouldn't allow him to dictate where Percy lived or where he went to school because if she did, it would mean that she would lose Percy. And I think that just shows that considering what she says later on that she she held on too much to Percy it's sad that she's kind of blaming herself in a way with what is happening but why I, I just don't get it because she is right this guy who has no involvement who probably knew he was never going to have any involvement in this child's life is dictating what should happen with no kind of consideration for her feelings so you know what fair enough to her 100% completely agree and now before I move on to the next chapter this is a totally random thing just to go back to Gabe now we saw in the uh, previous chapter I think I, I think I discussed it this um warding off evil thing that Grover did after the fruit ladies did their snippy snip in this situation here Gabe was really frustrating Percy so Percy was like I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to. And he does this, you know, three fingers across the heart, pushing out, sort of warding off evil thing. And something actually happens. The door goes flying forward and hits Gabe and kind of knocks him into the building. And considering it's like a warding off evil sign, does this mean that Gabe is an evil creature? Which, you know, 100% he is evil, he's a horrible person, but... Is he a monster of some kind if this worked against him? I, I, I don't know, but I am intrigued. Because as far as I'm aware, I don't think this is ever actually explored. So maybe I need to do something about that on my YouTube channel. But you guys don't need to worry about that right now because it's time to move on to chapter four. My mother teaches me bullfighting. And everyone prepare yourselves. Because I'm going to cry. <laughs> And it's time for the overview of chapter four. Something is coming and both Sally and Grover know what it is, but plot convenience means they can't tell Percy. Grover and Sally knew each other. A flash of lightning both reveals whatever is following them and blows the bl basically blows up the car and knocks it into a ditch, injuring Grover and making everyone a bit delirious in a sense. Percy refuses to leave anyone behind and that doesn't serve anyone well in the end. Sally. Oh, Sally. She tries to save everyone, tries to keep everyone safe, keep Percy and Grover safe, but she gets caught in the end and it was her end. Grief and anger power Percy and he kills the mu I mean, pacifies son, because names have power. P 
Percy refuses to lose anyone else, so drags the unconscious Grover across the boundary line, boundary line of this camp and promptly collapses at the feet of a bearded man and a pretty blonde called Anna Beth. And that is how chapter four ends. And, oh, this chapter was literally a whirlwind of emotions. There was just, like, action, action, action going on there. They're in the car. They're being chased by something that no one has the time to explain to Percy what it is. Admittedly, fair enough, because when Percy does realise what is chasing them and goes to say it, Sally interrupts saying, yes, that's Pacify's son. And after when Percy tried to say again the the cowman's name, I don't want to say I'm going to say it, <laughs> the Minotaur. Sally stops him before he can get it out and reminds him, and not reminds him, tells him that names have power. And this is something that we're going to hear quite a lot through the series. Um, and to have this starting here with Sally, I think is really really interesting and, and pretty cool because obviously Sally is my number one. She is everything. I love her so much. I'm absolutely devastated that the Minotaur caught her and crushed her to the point that she dissolved into shiny light. And yeah, no, just heartbreaking. But none so more is heartbreaking than Percy's response. Now, while he responds in anger and almost pure instinctive rage that leads to him overpowering the Minotaur through quick-wittedness and quick action and then later killing him as well. It's the moment after when he's kind of all that shock, all that adrenaline has just vanished and there's this sort of like pause a little bit where he he just doesn't understand what happens. He wants to curl up into a ball and sob and cry out for his mother but straight away this is just what Percy is like straight away he's like no I can't do that Grover is still injured Grover needs my help I won't lose anyone else and even though he's devastated and sobbing and crying and calling out for his mother he still gets Grover to the this house place in across the boundary line he still does all this even though he is grieving and exhausted and injured himself as well from having his head hit a rock after being thrown off by the Minotaur. It just, oh, this this chapter just really is truly emotional. And what, this is something I do want to bring up as well and it's something I've brought up in previous chapters to do with the, the weather element, the, the pathetic fallacy. And the lightning that both shows the creature that is coming after them, the Minotaur, but is also the thing that knocks them off the road. And considering who we know controls the sky and lightning, I just, I, to this day, I kind of don't understand what, I'm going to say, what Zeus's problem was. Because... Why kill someone if if you are convinced that this person is a thief of some kind? Why try and kill them if you want them to return what they've supposedly taken? Killing them isn't going to get your item back. Like, 
Ugh, I don't know. I don't understand the logic of this guy, but it's Zeus, and as we saw in the Greek gods and Greek heroes stories, Zeus is an idiot. You can smite me if you like, mate. Like, come at me. Artemis will probably protect me, I don't know. I'm kind of scared now. Uh, <laughs> but that's just one thing that I've just, I've always been slightly confused about. It's like, why all this lightning attack and weather attack? Like, if you're going to kill someone even though you want to get something back them being dead isn't going to help that situation but gods don't have much logic so i guess that's the reasoning there but a thing that bring comes up here and it's something that is explored predominantly in the in the, in the next book sea of monsters and some later books as well is this thing of percy basically wanting to save everyone wanting to protect everyone the fact that he's loyal to everyone and won't leave anyone behind at this current point was 100% his downfall the minotaur only wanted him if percy had left and gotten to the boundary line it's possible that the minotaur may not have even hurt sally or even gone after grover he only wanted percy now, I'm not saying that it's Percy's fault. It definitely sounds like I was, but I, I'm trying to say that, in a sense, his actions did lead to what happened, but we don't know what would have happened if he had just left Sally and Grover there, if he hadn't been determined to get everyone across, even though his mother was telling him that she couldn't cross. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of sad because 100% we know what percy is like we know how he takes things to heart so much like the teacher calling him lazy even the fact that gabe makes fun of him in the previous chapter about his report card calling him brainy boy as obviously a sarcastic remark of of not doing well at school and even feeling guilty about like his words are all the things me and gabe put her through and there are various other points hold on let me see if i can find one okay this is the thing so he talks about sally in this chapter so this is in chapter three his words are when she looks at me it's like she's seeing all the good things about me none of the bad and it's that line there that actually really gets me is that percy actually believes he's a bad kid he's a bad son and that line, and whenever I hear the music, for, especially the song Good Kid from the Percy Jackson musical, which again, highly recommend for anyone who loves Percy Jackson to listen to the soundtrack for that. But the fact that Percy doesn't consider himself to be a good kid, that he's a failure, that he's he's let his mum down, I think is really upsetting. And the fact that because he wouldn't leave them behind, because of him in a way, that this minotaur has come after them, he is going to blame himself for what happened to his mother. Whether it's verbally or subconsciously, that blame and that anger and that guilt is going to be there. And so, like, you feel this sense of worry for Percy because we know what he's like. Even four chapters in, we can tell that he takes so much to heart. He is a sensitive kid. And I don't mean that in, like, a mocking way, which is what most people do usually mean when they say oh they're just really sensitive i mean it in a way in which he is just generally really sensitive he takes things to heart he reacts really quickly because he is 
sensitive in a sense like when the kids were picking on Grover in chapter one he goes to react straight away because he's sensitive of the fact that people are hurting his friend and being mean to his friend but now in this case the fact that he delayed them the fact that because he didn't tell his mum about Mrs Dodds and the fruit ladies when Grover obviously then says at the start of this chapter why didn't you tell her why didn't you tell her and even says so at the end of chapter three as well Percy's now going to feel even guiltier that he could have pre-warned his mother and maybe this wouldn't have happened he could have done what she said and go and leave them because the minotaur only wanted him he could have done something more and distracted the minotaur like basically anything at this point he's going to see so many different things that in his mind show that it is 100% his fault that Sally has died and that is just truly upsetting that this 12 year old boy who's already undergoing PTSD because he's still having nightmares about Mrs Dodds at this point which is mentioned both in chapter 3 and in and in chapter 4 as well has now just seen his mother die before his eyes his best friend nearly die also but also turn out to not be who he thought he was and just so many other horrific things and I'm intrigued to see how he's going to cope with it and how he's going to deal with these things and just in general what's going to happen and I know I'm saying this as someone who has read the books multiple times so I do know what happens but looking at this in this deeper perspective and in this just generally deeper exploration there's so much more to see in this series than I first thought like the Gabe abusive elements I mentioned before the fact that Percy is someone who will take on guilt it's kind of like and this is a thing that my mum always says about me (laughs) I ring up my mum a lot in this one she's been going to be very happy about that um I have this thing that basically my mum has always brought up that I've always been sensitive to other people's feelings and emotions and I take them on myself so if someone is feeling very sad and emotional and crying and stuff like that I'm more likely to feel that way at the same time kind of like a sympathy emotion and I feel like Percy is like that as well like he seems to pick up a lot on what other people are feeling and react in a way that he doesn't particularly have control over like as I mentioned Grover being picked on by others Grover will be giving off this feeling of kind of being unhappy and being frustrated that they're picking on him and Percy will pick up on that and react in a way that is kind of his go-to like in that case being angry in the case of this here when Sally is telling him to run he's going to be picking up on her fear and all he's going to want to do is get her and Grover to safety so she will no longer be afraid but this time that worked against him it's just it's just a truly interesting thing something really interesting about his character which isn't something that like I would have picked up before but yeah I don't know I don't know what I'm talking about (laughs) anymore but I'm intrigued to see how he's going to react and how I'm going to be able to interpret what goes on in the next two chapters as to his relationship and as to his feeling as to what has happened um but yeah so that has been Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief chapter three and chapter four and it has been a bumpy ride and I don't know how to feel I'm very emotional things suck 
Sally is gone, Percy is crying, Grover is unconscious and really wants food, which relate I'm really hungry now actually as well um (laughs) and yeah so much has happened I'm nervous for the next two chapters because I kind of can't remember what happens in the next two chapters actually um but yeah that is chapter three and chapter four oh it's been intense but to move on to something a little bit nicer As you guys know, I've been officially starting my question of the episodes and last week's question got some pretty good responses from everyone on Instagram and Twitter and all that likes. So last week's question was, it said that the starting line for Percy Jackson is what draws people into the story and the world of demigods. If you were trying to persuade someone that they were a demigod, what would... what would you say to catch their attention? And we actually got a, an insane amount of responses. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get all of them on here because it was just an onslaught of stuff and uh, I didn't want the episode to run over too much because I know long listens aren't always the most interesting to listen to. Um, but if you guys want to read all the other ones, you can go to our Instagram, Best Time Camp, and check out the episode question that will be on there and read all the answers below so for anyone who i have missed off i truly do apologize i loved every single comment and they were all brilliant but in terms of runtime i just couldn't get them all on here unfortunately but for the ones that i could here they are so from hot stuff valdez we had to catch their attention i think i'd get straight to the point and say the gods are real and you might be their child i can prove it I think by proposing a challenge at the end and saying that you can prove that the gods are real, the demigod would be very curious and anxious to know if it's actually true. Then I'll proceed to calm them down and and explain things a little more. And I really like that. That's actually, that'd get my attention. I do like a challenge, so that would definitely work for me. Uh, Bob says hello, ye said, hello, do you believe in gods like the Greek ones? Right, well, here's the thing. They're real. And one of your parents is a Greek god. You don't believe me? Haha, well, being a half-blood means you get to go to Camp Half-Blood. It's pretty... cool summer camp. It'll also teach you how to not get eaten by monsters. Smiley face. Yeah, no, I can see why that would work. And that that last line is definitely going to be motivational because I don't think anyone's going to want to be eaten by monsters. (laughs) Um, then we have from It's Your Fancy Potato, and I love that username, by the way, to It's Your Fancy Potato. So they say, I tell them that I got them free entry to a summer camp, that I provide transportation and probably make accidental references to, like, the Pegasi or something. But I can definitely see that working unless someone is really into the, you know, the stranger danger sort of situation because someone came up to me saying, free entry, I'll I'll get you there. I I can take you there. Like I've got free transportation. A few alarm bells would probably ring, but um, interesting. I I can see how that would work. Uh, Then from let it all free, uh, they say, okay, I'm going to make this quick. Then I'm going to take you to Tron so that he'll explain everything look enter name you're not a regular human you're half god to the point i like it 
it is. It's very to the point. Then from Pesasi all the way. Love that. Hey, ever heard of Minecraft? Well, this has nothing to do with it. There is a possible chance you have some sort of power, though. <laughs> I like how you kind of open with a uh, something completely out of the blue and then get to the point suddenly after. So, um, <laughs> I like it. Um, and then from Daughter of Ares 56. I would ask them if something weird happened to them that they can't explain or if they saw something that others didn't. Like Hagrid asked Harry in Harry Potter. And yes, actually, I can I can agree with that because I guess that's that would work, especially in terms of Percy. If someone asked him that, he'd be like, well, yeah, I killed a teacher, but then no one knew this teacher existed. And then, you know, police sirens would ring and he'd be taken to prison for murder. Um... Yeah, so those are all the answers to last week's question of the episode. And they were a, a lot of fun. I think my favourite may have to be from Pasasi all the way, just with the <laughs> ever heard of Minecraft. Well, this has nothing to do with it, just because I think it's really quite funny. Um, <laughs> but to do with the question of the episode, here is today's. Parents in stories never get the front focus, nor often are as adored as Queen Sally. So what I want to know is, outside of Sally, who clearly should be your favourite, who is your favourite parent character in a series or a solo and why? Okay, I am looking forward to you guys' answers, which you can obviously, you can comment on the Instagram post that will be going up tomorrow on our Insta, um, on Twitter, you could DM us, you could DM us on Tumblr, or even send an email. In terms of emails in general though, anything you want to say, you can always drop us an email. Um, but as always, thank you all for joining me today for chapters three and four of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Be sure to join me next Wednesday for the next two chapters as we enter Camp Half-Blood. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, where you can leave a rating and a review, Audioboom, Stitcher and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at bestdamncamppod on Instagram and Twitter, and on Tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com, and I will read it out at the end of the show. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel at Healthy Dose of Fran for more Percy Jackson content to get you through your day. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter. And I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.